Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Mind Diary. Today I have the amazing opportunity and the luck of having one of the, my favorite guests and my favorite friends. Uh, his name is Dash. I'm going to pass the mic over to let him introduce himself. Uh, hey guys, so glad to be here. Um, thanks for having me, Andy. My name is Dash Malik. And Andy and I have been friends for since first year of uni, but really got close, I'd say, around this year. And we thought it'd be a good opportunity to sort of share our stories and talk a little bit about some topics that are important to us. Absolutely. Uh, just to give some background uh, context on how we met, you know, Dash and I were actually first floor mates in uh, Sherwood Lit, which is one of the dorms in UBC. Uh, although we re- uh, seldomly saw each other, we've actually gotten really close through the last year mm-hmm. through basketball, sports and, you know, um, fitness, as well as just through COVID. You know, we really uh, found that, you know, we're very compatible in terms of a lot of the goals, aspirations and values. And I've learned a lot from him through the last year. And I wanted to kind of share some of his insights, his experience and his journey with you just because I do think that it's going to be very productive and um, I, I believe there's some benefits to it. So um, yeah, I'd love to get into it. Uh, before we kick it off, you know, love to get everyone a perspective of, you know, how, how you were upbringing is, you know, how you came about, how you even went to UBC and how we met. So I'm going to uh, take it away. Yeah. So I actually grew up in Dhaka, Bangladesh for 14 years of my life. Um, from like four to 18, I was at the same school sort of just have the same friends and it was really interesting because it was a really small school I had like 30 people in my grade um, but yeah I grew up in a really well a lot of very populated city but the community I had was pretty small and I moved to UBC when I was 18 came alone no family no friends here and that was a really big change but it's it's been a great adjustment and yeah I've really been enjoying my time here in Vancouver so far yeah, no, thanks for that. So I wanted to dive a little bit deeper in the big change. You know, I think you're you're underselling a little bit on how intimidating it is to move to a complete new country. Personally speaking, you know, coming from Vancouver, just moving to Toronto with no friends and no connections that at a, at after college, after the whole, you know, technically going through such a big change, you know, at 21, I was still intimidated. So, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about what your thoughts on first, why Canada, why UBC, and what kind of motivated you to really push yourself out and um, come to UBC? You know, it's actually a pretty crazy story. I actually wanted to go to the East Coast in America. I don't know if I've told you this, Andy. No, actually, but, uh, no, no, Because no. I kind of fell into that trap because all my high school friends are going there. And I thought, you know, stick with the people I know, have them close by, you know? 100%. Um, but what actually happened was I took my SAT and they thought I cheated. So I didn't, they didn't give me my score. No way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like uh, my score jumped quite a bit because the first time I took it, I didn't study. And my grandmother passed away like two days before. So yeah. it was a really rough time. Second time I actually studied, like I got tutors, all the books, all that stuff. Yeah. And I got like a 20, 2100 or 22,000. Oh, yeah. Around something like that, right? Out of context, what's like the max score? Uh, 2400. Wow. I think, it's, really I think it's different now, but uh, back then it was 2400. And I got a 2100 and then they thought I cheated. So I took it again in January. <laughs> I got like a 22,060, like a bit lower, but like yeah. around the same. And they yeah. thought I cheated again. So, uh, so they didn't give me my score. And it was like January, all the US apps were due. And I was like, yeah. there's nothing I can really do. So Canada yeah. it was, you know? Yeah. So that was because they don't require SAT scores. Right. Um, so UBC was kind of just like a last minute, like, okay, campus looks nice. City right. looks good. Right. I got in. <laughs> you know, I need somewhere to of go. Course, of yeah, course, of yeah. course. So it kind of worked out that way. But, you know, everything happens for a reason. 100%. Um, why, um, why Vancouver? Did you apply to Toronto at all? Did yeah, you yeah. That side? I definitely applied to Toronto and... Montreal as well but I just found that just seeing the campus and learning yeah. more about the city and how much nature is in it I was really attracted to the green here and 
just that I love the actual campus itself, whereas I saw U of T was like kind of integrated into the city, which I didn't really like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, oh, that, yeah, that's true. So that's what I liked about UBC the most. Last question on this. Knowing what you know now that you've graduated and done the whole experience at UBC, would you, and knowing that your friends went to the States and did what they wanted to do, which was your first decision previously, right? Would you have um, wanted to change if you could go back and change anything? Was there any regrets going to Canada versus the States? Not at all, man. I, I My whole time here has been super transformative, and I feel like I've learned so much from all the people around me. And I'm so grateful for you and for all the other friends I've made, you know, it took a while to sort of find a solid group of people that I feel like I can truly connect with. It didn't come in like the first two years of uni, yeah. but that was due to a lack of me being afraid to be vulnerable with them as well. So that connection was really yeah. missing. But as time goes by, I learned how to be more in tune with my own feelings and connect with the people here. And so now I can't imagine my life without any of the people I met here in Vancouver. That's awesome, man. That speaks yeah. a lot of volume. I actually want to kind of get into that, you know, mm-hmm. going into UBC, um, we'll go into the profession and your academic pursuit a little bit later, but let's just talk about the social aspects since we're on this topic. You know, joining first year, we, although we weren't very close, I do remember that you were part of a fraternity and, you know, you obviously had a great group of friends, a very close supported brotherhood, you'd call it. Mm-hmm. You know, how was that like? And you, you did mention that, you know, it wasn't as transformative because you weren't allowed to be as vulnerable as possible. Now, do you think that's a little bit to do with the culture of a fraternity? You know, love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, the the fraternity experience was super, super wild now that I look back. Um, It was just, um, I met a lot of really cool people. And I'd say the fraternity I joined, Kappa Sigma at UBC, would be the most, I'd say, international, Mm -hmm. which is the reason that I was attracted in the first place. Because you would meet like a lot of, I had a lot of mutual friends with a lot of the people that um, joined. Yeah. Just meeting a lot of the people with the same sort of like open-mindedness, um, they knew where I was from. Yeah. I like met some of their friends, so there was already that sort of intim- intimacy already. Yeah, and yeah, joining a fraternity was fun because with those people, of course. But it was just a whole new experience, just because like I, it's it was one. It wasn't anything like I thought it would be in the movie. <laughs> you know, like in the movies, they make it seem like absolutely wild. But then in BC, you go there and it's not, you know, not as yeah. wild. It's like a US friend or whatever. Yeah. Um, but a, a lot of cool people for sure. I definitely feel like I. I don't know how many brothers there are in the fraternity right now, but I, when I joined, it was pretty small. And I'd say I talked to maybe like two people, two or three people from the frat right now. So like wow. okay. narrowing it down from like 30 people in my pledge class to like two or three today. It's pretty crazy. That is really crazy. And, you know, they, we do have some young listeners for the podcast the people in college that could possibly be thinking about joining a fraternity. Um, if you were to give them, obviously, you know, a lot of the details are very discreet and you're not allowed to share, but, <laughs> you know, if to give them some advice or recommendations, would you recommend them to join a fraternity? You know, how is that experience like if you give them like a snippet of what that would be like in terms of commitment, lifestyle, the people that you'll meet? Mm-hmm. Love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. I think to break it down in the simplest way, I'd say you get out of it what you put into it. Okay. So like I know a lot of people who like went and lived at the frat and then their yeah. whole life was just being around the same people every day, every yeah. night, going to the, like the same events every year with the same people. Yeah. It kind of became like their life. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really enjoy that, to be honest with you, because I liked having a wide variety of different groups of friends for different purposes. Yeah. And I mostly use it, utilize the frat for like being social, maybe meeting new people, obviously yeah. drinking and partying, uh, meeting girls. Of course. Of course. Um, but yeah, I'd say if you, if you, if you vibe with the people and the culture that much, then just go ahead and do it. It's, it's all about finding the right fit. 
and right. you'll get out of it what you put into it. And, you know, you talked about having different kind of social circles and friendship. That's kind of your style of, you know, being social. Mm-hmm. Um, can you elaborate a little bit more on what that would look like? And would you say that that was kind of the, uh, the best way, like, in, at least for you to be, like, social in terms of, like, having different groups for different studying, for different partying? Like, how did that go? And how did you balance that many groups of friends? I mean, it was it was awesome to have different groups for different purposes. Like, I'd have a friend group to play basketball with, a friend group to study with, a different friend group to party with, which is mostly the fraternity people. Yeah. And then another group of friends who I'd just be, like, be chilling with day to day. Yeah, um, And sure. then sometimes these, friend, these groups would merge. And I, and I noticed in university, whenever I would have events, I would try to merge these groups and try to get these people to sort of yeah. just vibe together. And it, it would, the parties always turned out super well. But now, looking back, like, no one really merged properly really merged it was like a divided merge right yeah Yeah. it's like a force like let's drink and then go do something and then go back to our respective friend groups right after that is so interesting you know that's one thing i actually really thought about um to be transparent is actually um we're having a birthday party today and this is one of the things i thought about was Mm -hmm. that you know i'm very similar the reason why i even talked about this so so in depth is because i'm very similar to you Mm -hmm. whereas i think even growing up before college in high school I had you know my group of friends I would do sports my group of friends who would enjoy you know video games a little bit more and the group of friends I would study really hard and that kind of kept me in check in terms of a balance mm-hmm. right because for me I don't think I'm as disciplined as I would like so having different social groups kind of allowed me to do all these different things without needing to like kind of force myself to do it mm-hmm. by myself and it's like it's very interesting because whenever I try to attempt to put everyone in a group for an event like a birthday party mm-hmm. or something it never really works out which makes me wonder how I'm so close with all these people yet none of these people can kind of connect with each other mm. it's, it's very interesting you bring that up actually because that's very recent and that's something I've also noticed mm-hmm. what do you think that is just thinking out loud I don't I think it's like I have something I realized is I think these like for example your birthday the people you're, that are coming together are coming together for you Right. You know what I mean? Like, if, for example, to put in a more context, like me, I'm the closest to you out of everyone in this, like, rich, we have a group of friends who play basketball in Richmond, we're yeah. the same basketball team. But outside of you, I'd say I talk to Wayne and Sean every now and then. And yeah. it's like, I swear every time we see each other, it's like we're boys and it's yeah. super fun, but yeah. like, there's no real out friendship. Like, we, we would never bridge out. Bridge out and maybe like go get dinner together or yeah, like yeah, yeah. just by ourselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there, there's that connection. I think that's strong, but it's not like enough to push past that kind of makes sense yeah no, for sure there's always there was there's that one piece of glue right yeah, that yeah. happens because of the glue yeah that makes sense no i think that's um that's very interesting actually that we bring it up i'll kind of want to move a little bit more into you know first year aside from social uh i remember first you were starting uh business commerce were you a marketing major or were you planning to be planning to be yeah right and you know Obviously, that's not what you decided to go out on, spoils alert. But, um, you know, what was that change like? Why did you decide, first of all, business? Like, let's talk about why you decided to pick business and go into marketing in the first place. And why, why that changed through, you know, the course of life experiences and your values. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I grew up with, uh, with a father who, he does um, business in Bangladesh. So he does garments, right? So mm-hmm. I always had this sort of internal pressure from myself that was kind of just came out of nowhere to yeah. like, after university take over the family business yeah and so when i went into university and not really knowing what my passion was i decided okay let's just do business and then because that you can kind of integrate into any sort of job right you can go anywhere with a business major or especially marketing right absolutely and so that was kind of my goal with it and worst case i was like okay if i have to go take over the family business anyway which no one told me to do but i thought i had to do just in case you know (laughs) might as well have the knowledge and the, the abilities to do it yeah but it was really really like it's a hard time studying business for like I did it for five years 
and those five years you ever do something that like you absolutely hate and it requires like five hours of energy to do something for one hour yeah so that's what it was like for like five years I mm-hmm. wasn't able to really I'm, I was making 100% excuses all the time but I wasn't really like looking for my passion or what I wanted to do because I was just so exhausted all the time from exams and midterms and studying and getting projects done and case studies and yeah. it felt more like a need than a want right exactly. in most cases yeah. um, and would you say it's like because obviously from a practicality standpoint it just made sense right your family background you know the general generosity of business kind of gives you a lot of um, kind of roadmap to go after for your future mm-hmm. you can go into starting your own business you can go work for corporate or startup there's so many ways right but you know, would you say that like there was never a, like a passion in terms of like a curiosity, like, oh, look, I want to understand how this works mm-hmm. to apply it. It was more like I need to know so I could do this job. Would that be how you were feeling? Yeah, 100 percent. It was there was no like I feel like when you're passionate about something, there's like a interest or curiosity to learn more exactly. and to yeah. bring in more knowledge and yeah. just expand. Yeah. But with this, it was just more so like, OK, I need to get this done so that I know what to do in case I go back home. 100 percent. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, how did it change? When, when did it change? So it changed. I, it, well, I was always a very active kid, but um, was playing volleyball, basketball since I, like, I was a really, really small, right? And yeah. I never really was mindful enough to like, put that into like, okay, I love being active. Like, how can I make that something that fulfills me career-wise? Yeah, interesting. Um, but what happened was in 2016... Uh, my two, one of my friends or three of my friends were actually killed back home in an ISIS attack in a cafe. Yeah. And that was really hard for me. And what happened was this is when I like stopped. I mentioned earlier cutting off some friends or like not being a social. That was actually after this incident. Yeah. I came back to uh, Vancouver and I moved out, lived by myself. My solution at the time was to self-isolate because I was kind of in a victim mentality yeah telling myself no one understands like how could anyone understand I just saw like my friends get killed and yeah it was really hard because I even saw like the pictures of their bodies lying on top of each other like ISIS tweeted a picture of that and when I found out I was at Dubai airport by myself on my way to Kenya to be with my family for a vacation yeah and I landed and my phone was just blowing up it was crazy and I was all by myself just crying yeah. my eyes out at Dubai airport like trying to get Wi-Fi at the Emirates lounge they're like what's wrong I'm like my friends are like dead and they're like what like obviously if some attendant here is having like what are you talking about you know yeah. what I mean but yeah um, that's crazy yeah so after that my family moved to Thailand and I dealt with my sort of depression and insomnia by stress eating something yeah. I still struggle with today like I have to be super mindful of that I like yeah. eat my emotions so every night I swear I ate like a Domino's large pizza and a garlic uh, cheesy bread garlic bread <laughs> every night man That's every crazy. night and I just got so so big I'm, I'm like I'm five, <laughs> five foot not in, the, not in a good way, not in a good way. I'm, I was, I'm five foot ten that's my Tinder height. I'm five foot nine. I'm five foot nine. But I was like 185 pounds, which is not. That's pretty big, it's man. It's pretty big. Pretty but, big. And it was like not the, yeah. So like I said, it was just a lot of fat. And so for a year, I was just, by, I felt so alone by myself. And I didn't really socialize or get any external help from like a therapist or a trainer or anything. So after that year, I went back to Thailand because my family moved there, right? And yeah. I saw a personal trainer because that was my sort of, okay, I need to like get my shit together. Right? Yeah. And after I saw that trainer, he kind of just sort of shifted my mindset towards how I can approach my own health and my, take control of my life. Right. Yeah. And so when I came back to Vancouver, I still didn't know how to apply that to my own career. And of course. I just 
third year of uni it's like okay I'm just gonna finish it there's like a year or two left might yeah. as well yeah. but as time went by I realized like if someone could change my life like that mm-hmm. I want to help other people do the same and so now I am a certified personal trainer just graduated today actually from the Institute of hell Holistic, yeah congratulations the, thanks man from the Institute of Holistic Nutrition and getting my life coaching license soon and there's probably more license coming along the way Amazing. and my goal now is just to be able to help people heal holistically mind body soul rather than just yes. training because I want to be more than want to approach more than just the physical yeah um, I found that therapy for me was such a healing yeah tool and I still see my therapist today yep and I actually have a book appointment with her soon <laughs> but, but yeah I yeah. found that just talking about stuff sharing being vulnerable you know all that yeah. therapy stuff was so good for my own journey so I yeah. want to help other people do the same and that's that's how I'm here that's amazing man yeah. um, I kind of want to go uh, dig a little deeper if you don't mind you yeah, know of course. you know you talk about you going back home and you know seeing a physical trainer mm-hmm. and you know would you say more of it is on the physical transformation physical training or more on the therapy that's first and second I wanted to ask you know Obviously, that journey was tough. How long would you say that you were in that kind of, you know, journey of mm-hmm. getting picking back up? And what was kind of, was there like an epiphany, a snapping point? Or was it more of a uh, slow burn, like a build up towards a, you know, eventually have to get my ass up and get, mm-hmm. get to work? What was that process like? So, yeah, every, every day was just a challenge, you know, especially at that first year. Um, yeah. I'd say like, okay, so if this happened in 2016, I would take, it took me like four or five years. I mean, right. That's right now, you yeah. know? So like, maybe yeah. let's say like three or four years yeah. to finally be able to say, okay, I'm, I'm okay being my own skin. Yeah. Like I'm okay with myself and who I am as a person and I'm happy with who I am. And that took so, so, so long, especially yeah. after the attack. Of course. Um, what was your first question again? Sorry. Um, the, no. the training and therapy. Yeah. What do you think was the biggest like, kind right, of right. support resource, right? Because for the people that obviously all of us in this world mm-hmm. are, are struggling with something one or another, maybe not as severe as yours, but, you know, everyone's kind of going through something. So I wanted to see the resource you had, you know, what did you find the most beneficial to lean to? What did you find that actually helped transform you, build you back to the person you are today? Right. So I think the the personal training and being active is does so much more for the body. I mean, so much more for the mind as well, not just the body. Right. So just coming back to university after seeing a trainer, even though I didn't like, I looked better, but not the best. Yeah. I mean, you can't do so much. Yeah, how much can you do in like three or four yeah. months? Like, quite a bit, honestly, but like... You could do quite a bit, you could but... do quite a bit, but like for me, it wasn't You weren't enough. satisfied. Wasn't yeah, satisfied. fair enough. And so it was sort of like getting that initial step started of like, okay, I feel a bit more confident. I want to be more social and just having that um, one hour, hour and a half, two hours, whatever it is, every day to dedicate to like myself being in the gym. It's like a type of self-care, you know, and it builds that trust yeah. and relationship with myself. And I feel like that was a great stepping stone into healing. But I feel like seeing a therapist really is what transformed how I think and how mm. I approach my life day to day. Okay. And, you know, like I only started seeing a therapist maybe like two years after the attack. Because yeah. even after when I was in the gym or whatever, it was fine. But mm-hmm. I, was, I wasn't really fine. You know what I mean? I was still bottling everything up. Yeah. I remember talking to one of my friends on the anniversary of and I wouldn't let myself cry yeah. while talking to her. And yeah. It was just like, okay, after two years, I was like, okay, I need to like work on this, you yeah. know? So that's part of the reason why I'm getting a bunch of licenses is because I've noticed in my personal journey, like I used all these different tools, not right after another or at the same time, it was yeah. like, all right, training for a year and then continue that mm-hmm. therapy after two years, continue that. So it's like, I want to be someone, someone can approach and one go and get all the sort of resources and help they need right from the start. I love it. The kind yeah. of person I wish I had at the time. Yeah, no, that's super inspiring. You know, 
just kind of tying that to kind of my personal experience as well. Um, I 100% agree with you. Uh, it's funny because me and my friend Lua actually started this fitness program. And, you know, it really ties to what you say, right? It's really not about just changing your physical. It's really about um, and what our slogan really was is it wasn't um, to change the way you look. We aim to change the way you live. Right, because there's so much more in fitness than just the physical. The physical is very important, like you said, it's a foundation. It's your vehicle every day when you operate, right? But you also got to make sure the driver inside is at its full capacity, I love that. which is your brain, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I always ask everyone the same question whenever I, I used to have a client, whether that's for fitness or for my life coaching, and that really was, um, you know, what do you think is the strongest muscle in your entire body? And for the most part, when people are like thinking about gym, right, especially when it's a fitness program, everyone say, oh, it's my back, my lats, <laughs> you know, my, my, my claws or whatever. And I'd always laugh. But, you know, in reality, the strongest muscle in your whole body is your brain. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's just because every single decision from the second you wake up each day to the second you go to sleep each day. Like, let's say when you wake up, deciding if you want to get up at eight to get, get a workout in or just wake up at nine and go to work straight away. And at night, deciding if you want to go to sleep without eating that Domino's pizza at nine <laughs> or smacking on it and going to sleep at 12 a.m. bloated. Mm-hmm. That's all up to your brain and your choice. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, how do you condition your brain to a point where you're able to have full control of your body? Mm-hmm. Because I personally think that's something I'm still trying to work on myself mm-hmm. is having more control over not just my thoughts, but my decisions, mm-hmm. right? Because I think most times in terms of our head, we're rational enough to think of what is what is right and what, what I shouldn't be doing. You know, I shouldn't be stuffing myself. Even during those, you know, bad days where, you know, you were going through that depression, you knew eating pizza wasn't good. Yeah. Disputedly, right? But, you know, you have trouble containing yourself, right? So in terms of like, I think the biggest thing is building that habit, right? To get out of, like you said, every day you're fighting to it. But, you know, I think not many people address is that when you're at that lowest, lowest point, Mm -hmm. building this habit feels like you're swimming on an upstream water, right? So how did you kind of, I would say the first week, first month, probably it's the hardest. How did you start? Like, and what did you keep, what what kind of process and method did you have to keep yourself in check so you don't stop? Mm -hmm. Right. So habits for me have always been super hard. So like I said, this journey took a long time. I'd say right now my habits are the strongest they've ever been and I'd say the best thing for me is honestly just making sure I hold myself accountable in a way that's not just mental but also on paper yeah I don't know if you've seen I keep on my fridge like a list of daily and I saw that yeah, yeah so it's very inspiring yeah so a list of daily and weekly goals so for like daily it'll be like okay meditate uh, exercise stick to the meal plan hydrate like four liters of water whatever goals you have for that day you write yeah. down a piece of paper and I'll put it on my fridge yeah and then every day as I complete the task I'll like check it off and then weekly tasks will be like something like okay listen to two podcasts a week journal to twice um, laundry whatever that looks like for you and just make like when you check it off and you actually build like that tally it's such a big feeling of I'm taking care of myself. And the yeah. more you take care of yourself, that's like all self-love is, right? You're yeah. building that relationship and yeah. yeah, relationship with yourself, which is really, really important, you know? And yeah. it's, it's hard, man. It's yeah. really hard because habits, they can go away like so quick. They take years to build yeah. and a second to let go, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the famous saying. You know, to the listeners, obviously, that are currently going through something possibly similar to what you have gone through, mm-hmm. but right now, what would shit is the the first step they should take regardless how hard it is what do you think is was the most effective and how do you you know take the first step out of this dark kind of situation yeah you know the first thing or the first step that i really really struggled with for so long was accepting that i'm not okay and that i need help yeah you know i always knew internally like i'm not okay but you know not talking to people about it not sharing even if like 
they don't understand, it's good to just let it out, you know? Like, because yeah. if your body actually holds all your emotions, like, in different organs and stuff, and you you feel That's that way you're down. Like, yeah. I've never heard of that, but yeah, that makes sense. No, yeah, that does like, make sense. It stores trauma in your body. Like, I did this uh, breathwork exercise once where this woman took me to, it's called rebirthing. Okay. And so she basically helped me inhale, exhale for different, like, variations of seconds, blah, 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 whatever. At one point, my body was, like, frozen. I couldn't move my hands. It's just from the breath. And I'm hallucinating. Yeah. And my body's shaking. And wow. And what happened was my ribs, heart, and stomach was the most, uh, was shaking the most. And what I learned from the diagram she showed me was those are the parts of my body that hold like guilt, fear, wow. insecurity, shame, like all that yeah. stuff that you sort of build. You're like not stage. letting go. It's accumulating. Yeah. Yeah. And after I got up and I walked out of that session, I felt so much lighter and it just goes to show like you have to get this stuff out. You know, you can keep it inside or hold it in your body. Yeah. And, you know, whatever that looks like, whether it's talking to friends, asking your yeah. parents for help, getting a therapist, whatever that means, I'd say that's the biggest thing. And honestly, I would say that's the hardest thing. It is the hardest thing. Right? And that's one of the reasons why sometimes people feel stuck is that, you know, being able to admit something like that means that you're not perfect. Mm -hmm. And for most people, honestly, and it's a big issue with social media and everything else mm -hmm. in today's world, everyone tries very hard to project this idea of, like, perfect state of kind of life you know mm -hmm. like my job's perfect my life is perfect my friends are perfect but in reality it's ironic because deep down everybody is trying to pretend mm -hmm. right and i think um this goes back to the premises of this podcast and the reason why i started this whole thing in the first place was that obviously when i moved to toronto i didn't go through as severe as a situation as you did mm -hmm. but i went through something very similar where i realized that i had a lot of things bottled up as well mm -hmm. and with me I, I was never the type to reflect on them mm -hmm. very similar to the metaphor i'm not sure if you heard on a previous episode in season one where i used the metaphor of um, a car right and much similar to a car uh, my friend had a pretty beat up car from like the 1990s and she knew there were problems with it but he didn't actually know what was actually the problem because he never took it to a shop took the time spent the effort spent the energy to examine what the issue is mm -hmm. so he never fixed it and then one day it broke down the road mm -hmm. not surprisingly but, you know, that metaphor really is just to go show that human bodies work the exactly the same way, yeah. right? It, you sometimes don't know what is exactly wrong because you're not looking at it and you don't want to mm -hmm. because it's not like something that's a pleasure to look at, mm -hmm. right? But it's like you really have to open that hood uh, metaphorically for your heart or whether that's, you know, your feelings and really pour that out to the whatever you can trust, right? And that's why I think it's so important to have an outlet. Mm -hmm. You know, if you do have a supportive group of friends, that's great. I think that's where you should pour it. And uh, obviously, if they're not able to you know handle like the your emotions and your passion and things you're going through that maybe they're not the best group of friends anyways mm -hmm. right so you shouldn't be scared to speak up to your group of friends mm -hmm. they should be as supportive as possible mm -hmm. and if that's not the case for you know some people then a therapy is where you should go mm -hmm. and i don't think that's something that should have a stigma behind it because at the end of the day we're all just trying to become better versions of ourselves whether that's mentally spiritually mm -hmm. you know emotionally mm -hmm. and it's just so important to be able to kind of take a step back and look at yourself from an objective standpoint. Mm -hmm. Like, look, how can I become a better individual? Not just for the society, but for myself. Yeah. You know, how can I feel better today? Mm -hmm. And how, like, is it waking up earlier? Is it going to the gym every single day? Is it adjusting my diet? Mm -hmm. Is it speaking to someone? And I think um, taking that first step is hard, 
but I just wanted the reason why we wanted to create this podcast was really to provide this kind of vulnerable perspective that you know each and every one of us go through because you know to be completely honest when I looked at Dosh and you know from my experience you know interacting with Dosh through college I always thought you know he had the perfect life you know he had all his friends he had you know athletic background he did all the sports he wanted to do you know he played on all the teams he had a great good grades you know he studied the major he wanted to and that's what it seems like for everyone else yeah and that is the case for a lot of people but deep down everyone's going through so much more than that mm-hmm. and that's why that's one of the most important reason why I wanted to bring him on the podcast mm-hmm. just to share the experiences that everyone else goes through in their head and that people don't really want to talk about right and to let you know that you know the people that are listening this is normal and this is something that we can go through together mm-hmm. and every step the hardest step is the first step and like Dash said the first step is really just by being able to like admit it admit to yourself what something when something is wrong and taking a closer look because you're never going to fix something that you don't admit is broken mm-hmm. right and that's I think one of the biggest things mm-hmm. You know, in terms of like spirituality and kind of pursuing fitness. Now, do you feel like you're happier now that you're doing like obviously money is part of life. Yeah. Right. And obviously that's part of having a family, mm. getting to things that you want to get to travel the world. And that's every, everyone's goals in the end of the day. Right. But, you know, obviously taking on the passion you take on now. It's a big difference from before in terms of, you know, going to corporate, making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know, what changed in terms of spirituality or values and what do you think made you so certain that this is the path you want and get, gets you up every morning and you go on the same grind as a corporate person, mm-hmm. you know, but you're making a different impact. Yeah. So walk me through that. Yeah. So I, you know, I grew up in a very blessed household in the sense that like my, my dad took care of us very well. My mom was always at home to take care of us. Um, so we had, we traveled a lot growing up, experienced a lot of like different cultures, different countries, whatever. And so it's, it doesn't sound the best and it's just something I've had to work through. But money for me has never been such a big priority because we've always grew up having it, if that makes sense. No, 100%. So it was kind of like in the back burner. And part of the reason I wanted to go, thought I had to go back in the first place was it's good money. Like money is happiness. Like the childhood I had, I was so happy. And a lot right. of that is... You had everything not, you wanted. Exactly. It's not all money, but like it helps. You know what I mean? Like, 100%. It, it, it man. You would lie to say if it doesn't help. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, but you know, I'm so grateful because it was when uh, I was with my family. We were traveling together and I, my dad was like, why, why don't you care? He's just straight up said, why don't you care about like getting internships or work? But I'm like, yeah. dad, I'm not happy. Like... I don't like any of this shit. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't like accounting. When was this? This was like third year. Okay. So like... A, Pretty deep in it. Yeah, already, yeah, yeah, deep in it. And so now I'm so grateful because my family is so supportive and they really see that what I'm doing makes me really happy and that gives them so much joy. Yeah. So I'm really grateful for that. And the reason I really like... Like I wake up at like, let's say four, you know, you know, my schedule sometimes yeah, it's like, crazy, man. I wake up at 4am to go teach a class at 530 for fitness classes at 45. Right. Yeah. And what I love, it's like those little moments when you connect with people and they're like, Hey, I had a, there was this guy, I don't know if I should say his name, but what happened was, um, we just did an F45 challenge and we were, he won the second place prize, second place prize for like body composition. Right. Yeah. So he had the big, uh, second biggest change and he's like, we were taking pictures of him with a trophy and he's like, wait guys, like I didn't do this alone come take the picture oh, of me. That's I, w- awesome. I wouldn't be here without you guys. That's awesome. So it's like I moments like that where you're like truly wow. like in the physical making a difference in people's lives. And you know, like if I'm sure some of you uh, work out and you see the difference an hour can make in your day or whether it's a fitness class, yoga, whatever that looks like for you, like, and being able to 
help people bring that to their day and that sort of joy mm-hmm. just it's it's an unmatched right? feeling that's powerful unmatched right? feeling it's, it's bigger than closing any deals right like <laughs> in the business world man um and that's the thing right like people people have to understand that going to the fitness world that you're going to now it's a very competitive and harsh environment mm-hmm. and it, i would say it's not even easier at all and then getting internship at a corporate firm you know it's 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 much more competitive in terms of the hours are very very rigid and very dynamic you wake up at 4 30 a.m mm-hmm. to teach a class at 6 a.m mm-hmm. and you you pick up shifts here and there so you don't yeah. have the settled schedule um and obviously the big part of it is being able to get the satisfaction from your clients mm-hmm. but what's next for you right um we you um we've had this conversation me and dodge about i would say a few weeks ago where you had this dilemma between joining a gym that was a lot more luxury and high end um for a higher niche of people and getting paid a lot more Mm -hmm. right uh versus the gym he has at now where like you heard from the previous story you just shared has a lot of impact directly and he's actually helping the people that he truly believes and supports Mm -hmm. and you know connects with so how was that i haven't really caught up on that i want to hear what happened there yeah so i had a job opportunity at this studio that's currently like growing in vancouver and it's expanding quite a bit and what they're doing is it's a very expensive studio because the technology is really advanced and how that works is i mean yeah, i won't get into the details of that but the point was that i got i mean i got the job offer and i'd be working with maybe like the top two percent of people in vancouver like the people who can really really afford it yeah Whereas right now, I mean, F45 isn't cheap, but it's like you get people from like different age groups, different backgrounds, different sizes, like, and by size, I mean people with different goals, right? Yeah. Some people might want to lose weight, yeah. some people might want to gain. And it's yeah. like, you're just helping for me in my experience, I'm helping the people that I truly connect with, which is what I want to do. And I feel like that was a really hard choice because I just finished my nutrition co-op and I have a lot more time for a job, right? So I had to choose between this uh, F45 job or the other one, and I had to pick, do I want to help the people I want to help or do I want to make more money and sort of build a career rather than have a job? Mm -hmm. And I chose to stick with F45. And this goes back to my parents as well. I had to talk with them about it and they just told me like, hey, listen, don't do something you don't want to do just for the money. And so just goes back to like how grateful I am for them for being so supportive. Yeah. And my biggest thing was also, I just studied a year doing nutrition. And if I got this other job, I would, that degree would just like be meaningless. Exactly. Cause I wouldn't be using it at all. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to find a way to integrate that into my daily life and helping people eat because that's just that's such a big part, big part of, of it. Life. Right. Yeah. And yeah. So in the future more so I'm looking for ways to help people holistically. And I felt like this gym opportunity would be mostly physical as well, which is not in line with, how I want to help. Right. Yeah. So that's perfect. Actually, my kind of my last topic I wanted to discuss with you um, is like I mentioned before, um, one of my projects I had, which I had a lot of fun doing uh, mm-hmm. with a few of my clients is, you know, helping people transform, not just from a physical standpoint, because that's, that's, that is important, mm-hmm. but from a holistical standpoint, from, you know, life, mental. And I think mental is a really big part. So, you know, in terms of licenses, career, like job, what's next, right? What's your plan? What does the final picture look like for you? Mm-hmm. Like in terms of a dream job now, mm-hmm. right? Now that you've found kind of the direction that you're going, I wouldn't say obviously nobody has like a perfect roadmap and path, right? And that's what we've noticed along the way. But what would you say is kind of the the destination you want to get to in terms of this direction career-wise? Right. So I think right now I'm in a place where I I mean, I just got certified in nutrition. So I really want to expand and build on that knowledge. And I'm thinking of maybe becoming a dietitian, studying a bit more for that because I feel like I could really help people in a more of a clinical setting that way. Yeah. But I think like 
way down the line after getting some more experience and some more licenses, I'm really keen on having my own wellness retreat. Mm-hmm. And what that looks like is you come for a week and there's a, a variety of different services provided, whether it's like yoga, personal training, yeah. like breath work, coaching, whatever way you want, maybe even a therapist, nutritionist, yeah. like all the different sort of acupuncture, like whatever you need, yeah. you can find at this retreat. And it's just a place of healing. So you go for however long you can book for a week, a month, six months, whatever you're looking for. And I just want to be there the whole time. That's amazing. Meeting. Is that going to be like in the woods? Like what's that location <laughs> looking like? The, the breathwork thing I told you about earlier was actually in a retreat in Thailand. Oh. So okay, that was like not on the beach, but like nearish. Um, but I don't know. I think I'd want to do it in Southeast Asia. That's cool. Yeah. That's I just feel like the opportunity there for health and wellness is crazy right now yeah. I mean all over the world to be honest but yeah. I, just, I feel most spiritually connected to Southeast Asia and I want to have my practice or retreat there would you say your spiritual connection is based on kind of you finding yourself back yeah. there your journey yeah yeah I think so I, it goes back to how I was raised just growing up in international school with all the friends and people I did like I want my kid to have the same sort of experiences mm-hmm. and there's just something about being home or near home that's yeah. just it's yeah, it's a very warming feeling. Next year, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, would you see your end goal eventually? Uh, you know, for these few years, are you planning to stay in Vancouver, Canada, and you know, what is kind of the? Yeah, the the plan right now is. I mean, I'm <laughs> planning to get PR whenever that happens. Yeah. Um, but I do want to stay in Vancouver a lot more, maybe a couple of years, just because I, I love it here. It's amazing. Yeah. I feel like it's perfect for health and wellness as well. And I'm, I'm people been, here really care about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm enjoying my job. I'm, I didn't tell you, but I have some interviews lined up. So that's okay. Well. That's awesome. Yeah, for, for some other nutritionists. We'll talk jobs. about it offline. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for some other nutritionists. Yeah. So hopefully that goes well. Yeah. And yeah, I'm just really enjoying my time here in North America. Oh, sorry. Yeah, North America so far. No, that's amazing, man. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for your time again, Dash. Yeah. Um, you know, was there anything else you kind of wanted to touch upon um, that I have you here? I kind of wanted to share with the audience. Anything at all, you know, in terms of your journey from growing up, coming to Canada. Oh, one thing I didn't want to talk about, actually, that we, we haven't been able to touch up on is that what do you feel like the biggest and this is because uh, most of our listeners are in their 20s to 30s -hmm. so they're all in that transition period that we're going through right Mm -hmm. you know me being 24 yesterday Mm -hmm. was a big kind of transition for me as well going from it's a Kobe year right (laughs) from Michael Jordan year to Kobe year and it's it's very interesting because back in the days when you think about birthdays you really long for them right you're excited the whole month you're excited the week beforehand and now 24 was the first year where I felt like not that I wasn't looking forward to it but more of so that I was doing a bit of a countdown, mm. which is completely on my bad. And I had a, my own self-reflection on this, mm. right? Because end of the day, you should be just privileged that you've got to spend another year on this beautiful world yeah, yeah. in my beautiful life. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't be thinking about it as like a scarcity mm-hmm. and something that's finite, right? So, cause who knows, maybe next year might be my last year. Like you never know these things. So you shouldn't be thinking about it like that. Um, but you know, what do you think was the biggest transition and this is something I talk about with a lot of people. And I think one word that a lot of people say is humbling. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest transition between college to real life, adulthood, like getting a job, settling down, moving out. Mm-hmm. Is because in college, we were all kind of raised, especially at a you know prestigious college like UBC, raised with this expectation that we're going to be great. We're going to be able to mm-hmm. flourish and find our passion and it's going to all work out, mm-hmm. right? But um, you know, along the way, you really become humble through experiences, rejections, failures, finding yourself, picking yourself back up. What would you say is your biggest, like if you had to sum it up, like that transition, you know, socially, like mm-hmm. academically, professionally? 
it's uh to sum it up it just it kicks your ass like because <laughs> everything changes and it's so quick too you know life goes by so fast as cheesy yeah. as it sounds and it's like that's why I find spirituality so beneficial we talk, we spoke about it a little bit just here and there but just finding a way to be present every day and enjoying the experiences you have is I say the best way to live um, and it really helps you sort of capture your time so that as time goes by you can really reflect and look back and be like I was truly grateful present and aware and in most or if not all the moments in my life so that way you look back and it's not like oh damn like it's I'm like 28 now where did life go by you know it's exactly. more so like I'm 28 and damn it's been good so far been looking good. forward yeah. for that Giannis 34 year whatever yeah. <laughs> it's coming along somewhere right <laughs> yeah. it's, it's gonna come quicker than you think I think I 100% agree with you and this is a motto I stick by is that you know days are long yeah. years are short yeah. they go by like this right and you know end of the day and this is something that I had to reflect on during COVID as well is that I feel like in my early 20s I was able to do a lot more obviously with the world being different than it is today with you know restrictions and things or whatnot but I was able to travel the world a lot more go through East Asia did my backpack and trip around Thailand Vietnam and it, it, even till today that's something that's still very memorable and I feel like I am the person I am because of the people, the experience I met along the way. And I'm not saying that I didn't grow in the last year and a half. I did my best to try to, you know, get as much as I can through, you know, a routine and through the closed world with COVID. But I do think that um, I have a lot more room to grow. And I feel like I've slowed down just from a, you know, speaking of not having ego and being reflective, I I think I have a lot more room to grow. And I feel like I've kind of digressed and regressed a bit, Mm -hmm. even, you know, as an example of this podcast. I haven't been pumping out episodes like I did last year, mm-hmm. you know, and that's something that I feel guilt for as well mm-hmm. as, as much as I don't want to admit, but it's something that I keep looking for excuses. Like, you know, I'm working a lot more, mm-hmm. uh, the job's more involved. I'm doing, you know, basketball, I'm mm-hmm. working out, but in the end of the day, like if this is something that I'm passionate about and it's a nonprofit kind of project that I started a passion project mm-hmm. and I do feel like I should have the fortitude and, you know, reflection to go forward because when I was pumping on those episodes to be completely frank with you, um, I feel like I was doing a lot more discovery of myself mm-hmm. because I was almost forced mm-hmm. in a circumstance to reflect mm-hmm. and come up with new feelings and kind of try new things, right? Like the 30 day challenge I was used to do like every day. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like those are things I want to do pick back up and I feel like I've been slacking on. So it's, um, it's definitely, um, interesting because I'm 24 this year, but I do feel like from my 22 to 24, I didn't, um, improve as much as I did. But it, it doesn't matter. It's not, that's not important because I think what's important is being able to admit it mm-hmm. and be able to say 24 to 25 is going to be a big year mm-hmm. and I'm going to do things to change that and implement different practices, schedules, routines, and you know mentalities to, to hopefully pump out more episodes for you guys as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, um, that's kind of how I feel about you know another year of, uh, another year of uh, age becoming of age, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, during COVID, I think the biggest thing that happened to people is people got comfortable just being oh, at home on yeah. their computers and... Uh, you know, e- Uber Eats, you know, yeah. like DoorDash, whatever, just <laughs> yeah. eating, eating all the time. And yeah. then you, like the gym shut down and everyone was just at home getting comfortable. And, you know, comfort is the biggest enemy of progress. Yeah. Um, so I understand it was, it was hard for a lot of people, you know, um, but I'd say the biggest thing is like you can either like sulk about what you didn't do yeah. or you can like just say, OK, tomorrow's a new day. Yeah. And just change that right up. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's kind of interesting because my mom actually texted me today and she's actually never asked me this mm-hmm. out, out of my 24 birthdays, but uh, it's interesting she brings this up. And she was like, so what, what is your goal being 24? Mm-hmm. And what would you like to see that you've accomplished for 25? Mm-hmm. And I sat there and I thought, you know, grow, like my life, I have a lot of goals. Like I'm very ambitious. I want to get a lot of things done. But it's interesting when she brought that up and I'm just thinking, 
you know, what is my goal? Mm-hmm. Because at first I was just going to straight up tell her that, hey, mom, like I want to make over six figure next year. Like it's looking good right now, but I want to lock that in for the year as I think. And I want to start my, you know, side business. I want to grow that to a certain amount. And I want to move from a condo that I have now to a townhouse. Those are actual realistic goals. And I've been doing open houses last week just to look at houses. But it's interesting because like those are so, um, I'm a little bit too caught up now in the whole getting money materialistic. And it is important, right? Because like you said, you know, you can't do without money. And the famous thing is that, you know, money can't buy happiness, but it sure can buy a lot of unhappiness. <laughs> you know, it can get through a lot of uncomfortable stages. So, And I know that. Um, and I've never been a materialistic person, although I know the importance of money. But I just feel like it's very important in today's society, with, you know, LinkedIn, social media, everyone talking about what you're doing now, to get carried away with your accolades in terms of just property, asset possession, capital possession. Mm-hmm. And it's like my goal being 24 at this age shouldn't just be about do get acquiring more wealth because that's very on the surface and that's something that 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 would have been my goal when i was 10 years old Mm -hmm. and that's like i don't feel like that shows as much growth that i would like Mm -hmm. so i really thought about it right and i don't think i have an answer now but it just kind of goes to show that um it takes a lot of time and energy and thoughts to really build something personally spiritually Mm -hmm. and like as a goal because even now i can't really tell you what i want to accomplish by 25 but what i want to do tell you is when i get to 25 I want the feeling to be different from becoming 24. And the feeling when I become 24, like I just mentioned to you, was, oh, I'm doing a countdown. Like, another year has gone by. I'm forced to, you know, settle down soon, you know, get to the stability, adulthood of things, become a routine. And and I think when I get to 25, my mentality, at least my goal is to become like, oh, what a wonderful year. I've done so much and I've learned so much and I grew so much. And I think... To start off, that's a good start. But, um, you know, personally, emotionally, I think there's a lot of work I have to do. And um, I've got to kind of ponder on what that would be. Would, would there be anything for your end, you know, going through next year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the first step, like you said, it's just great to, to know what you want. And it's like a feeling, right? A feeling of, I guess, fulfillment and happiness. And it's kind of like you want to have, to get that feeling, you got to like break it down, you know? Like, okay, what gives me that feeling? And for me, it's, you know, working with people, being in the gym myself, like working on my health. There's just so many things that I'm sure you, you know what makes you happy. Yeah. Just continuing to carry that forward and figuring out, you know, what contributes to the feeling of fulfillment you want to create for yourself. Yeah. And whatever that looks like, because everyone's different, right? Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I, I'm sure you'll get there, man. It's, Appreciate it's, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a good journey. And that's uh, part of it right we'll, we'll check in in a year and we'll Absolutely. see how you're doing uh, yeah so we're gonna make this a routine uh, by next year this time Dash is gonna come back on an episode <laughs> and um, not only am I gonna you know see the things that I've been able to change but I'd love to see your growth and you know where you would like to be hopefully sitting that retreat of mm-hmm. ideally you know hopefully getting me a first ticket <laughs> that retreat love to see it friends and family discount oh I'm waiting <laughs> on it man I'm waiting <laughs> on it better get that coupon but yeah man thanks again well um, thanks everyone for listening thanks special thanks to Dash for you know coming on the podcast again thank you so much for coming on um, you know being so vulnerable and sharing your feelings and you know how you kind of picked yourself up and like I said this podcast really isn't about you know trying to glorify my, my peers branding them as people that are perfect because in reality nobody is it's really a podcast to showcase the other side of the world and of everyone's world the side where you know people don't want to show but to show you that it's okay to be expressive because in the day that's how we're all going to get better feel better become happier and i just want everyone to take that message home and um if you have any you know questions you want to chat about anything you know feel free to reach out to me i'd love to schedule in a chat with you see if we can discuss things and you know share some thoughts share the headspace but yeah um once again this is andy thanks for listening and uh we'll be seeing you real soon
I hope you do.